Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 15 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. How are we today? Uh, I was recently in Melbourne on my cousin's hen's weekend, and it was such a great time. I'm so lucky to have a family of really powerful, strong, wise women. And it's so nice to get together to laugh and joke, break bread, reconnect. It was just incredible. I remember when I first had kids. A lot of people said to me, oh, it takes a village. And because of the way our society is these days, we don't have a village. We don't have a big sense of community. I mean, don't get me wrong. We do park playdates with friends and we do things together, but we don't live under the one roof. We don't have family waltzing in and out. Uh, And because of that, you know, we don't have that same sense of information passed down through generations. Instead, we raise our kids fairly independently from one another. So to go away on this hen's weekend for the first time, I realized just how beautiful it is to have generations of wisdom and knowledge from your ancestors all in one place to discuss life and life events and the meaning of life and the tribulations and trials that we all go through, you know, in the various seasons of our lives. So it was just, it was really, really great. And answering, you know, all those really important questions and, you know, being of an age now as well where, you know, someone can contribute an opinion that you don't necessarily have to agree with, you know, where you get to sort of stop and say, "Mm, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but this is how I feel about it. And instead of feeling threatened or intimidated by it, you can actually speak your mind and have it listened to, you know, as, a, as an adult. So it's, I'm really, really enjoying those conversations where we get together and we discuss things and, and not necessarily seeing eye to eye, but then you get a different perspective and a different point of view. I've always loved conversations like that. So to do it with my family, um, yeah, I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky. And grateful to have such incredible women, you know, in my family, both young and old, and surround myself with such love. Very, very lucky indeed. One of the things that's been very evident to me recently, both with clients I've been working with and friends I've been talking to, colleagues in the workplace, um, is fear around current climate change and the world we're heading into. And I don't just mean economically with interest rates rising and, you know, talks of possible futures for us, but I also mean environmentally. Um, I'm currently reading a book by Gina Rushton called The Most Important Job in the World. And I'm taking a very, very long time to read this book because I'm finding it very full on, very confronting. Um, And it is very serious. And me, in general, I can get quite serious about life and things as it is. So sometimes, instead, I need to take, like, comic relief at the end of my day instead of something 
um, that instead is quite fear-mongering and quite confrontational. Much to the disgrace of my parents, I don't watch the news. Um, I think it's very important to be informed about what's going on in the world. But watching the news is something I don't do. Every time I hear the news, all I hear is negativity and drama and, to use that word again, fear-mongering. And I don't see news as always being informative, which I think news should be. I feel like if you're going to watch the news, it shouldn't have those elements of really heightened drama. And I also find a lot of the time it reports on stories that, while extremely sad and tragic, actually happen very frequently. And there is nothing that could have been done about it ahead of time or after the fact. You know, they lack educational purposes um, and it's simply a story that's being reported. For instance, Damien got home the other day and told me about a news article um, where people were crashed in a car by a fallen tree. And is that absolutely tragic? Yes. Could anything have been done about it? No. So what is the benefit to the population of telling the story? And you can't tell me it's gratitude because I don't believe gratitude comes out of fear. Gratitude comes out of love and abundance and appreciation and thoughtfulness and awareness, not scarcity and fear and all of the things that we dread happening to us. So I can't understand why news would decide to report on that other than trying to fill a gap and instill fear in people. So I don't see the benefit of people knowing that story. Completely fail to see it, which is why I don't watch the news. I think there are stories that are important to know because they educate you on what's going on in the world and social or political reform um, or macro factors where, you know, one influences the other, influence the other. I really see validity in that. But I do not see the validity in instilling fear in people and creating negative thoughts that prevent people from living their lives the way that they want to or that they would choose to had they not been put in a state of fear from watching the news. Anyway, this is why I read books like the most important job in the world instead of watching the news. So today I want to talk to you about anticipating negatives or projecting negatives because I do notice that it's something that we can get in the habit of doing and until we realize that it's a habit it's very difficult to change and it is quite socially acceptable. People seem to really bond over the bad that could be or situations that might happen instead of projecting positives or remaining neutral and worrying about it at the time when it actually comes about. I was coaching a client recently who just found herself in a new relationship and for the first few months, things were going really, really well and then she started to get a bit paranoid. She started to anticipate well ahead of time and without any evidence that, you know, all the things that could go wrong. She started to get a bit paranoid. She had no justification or reasoning for what she was anticipating might happen. What she would do if she found him with somebody else or if he broke up with her. And it changed so fast, where she went from being super happy and in the moment, present in the relationship, 
and it was new and fun. And then all of a sudden, she started worrying about all of the things that firstly haven't happened. Secondly, he's given her no indication or reasons about being concerned. And the relationship hasn't even really kicked up a gear. Now, this is a coaching session, right? So we started to address within her, her need for control and how she can feel secure and her need for self-sabotage, um, maybe commitment issues. But it was amazing to me listening to her talk and it was if she'd written the story of their entire relationship to the point where she needed to end it and just walk away. It was a really interesting conversation, well, coaching session, because I don't think she had any awareness of what she was actually doing. I think this was a pattern that she had run for so long in so many relationships and had sort of been conditioned by early relationships where they had given her reasons and they had given her justifications to feel a bit of unease. And then as things had eventuated, she trusted herself, trusted herself, and then bang, she had to end it or he ended it. And she felt a bit blindsided. So, you know, she within herself had justifications for feeling and acting the way that she'd started to. But to break that cycle and to retrust, firstly, herself, right? Because that's really what we're talking about. She was self sabotaging, which is more about trust with self than trust with somebody else. Because if you can't trust somebody, you can't control what someone else does. But you can control your behavior towards that person. So, yeah, it was a very interesting coaching conversation where we were able to get a bit of a mirror and for her to start to recognize what other people had done and the results that that had had in past relationships to apply to this relationship for her to actually see that he hadn't done anything. But this was her fear coming out and her trying to control it. And actually, she was going to end up with what she didn't want, which was to be on her own or to be without him because she was letting the past infiltrate the present and sabotage it. So really, really fascinating. It was the same with me when I was traveling a few months back and there was this fear around accommodation that we'd booked. The question was, you know, what if it doesn't have this or what if it doesn't have that? And then we got there and it was perfect, but we spent a good hour speculating on how bad this was going to be if it hadn't met those expectations or requirements of what we wanted. And when it was absolutely perfect, I really took that and I went, oh my goodness, what a waste of time and energy when we could have been talking about other things. We could have been thinking about other things that energetically made us feel really good. But instead, we were projecting what was going to go wrong before knowing factually whether that was or wasn't the case. And we spent all of this time manifesting or thinking about that, which then Again, thoughts create our feelings, right? So we're thinking about that and it's creating this negativity in us and this scarcity and this speculation that then went on to be unnecessary, entirely unnecessary. And I really just thought, oh my goodness, what a waste of my time. So much energy, so much drama around something that was not even a thing. I really do wonder if we do this because we have expectations set by social media, friends, or society um, that is there and 
they put that there and that's the standard that needs to be met. And if we don't manage to meet that expectation um, within ourselves, then we end up dramatising and we fill in the blanks of what, you know, may or may not be, whether there is any truth to the matter or not. So my question today is, do you do this? Is this ringing true? The stories that I'm telling, the things that you're doing, do you often sit there and then think about, oh, what if this happens? I mean, I know I get anxiety every time I go to a party or a new event. I'm off to a work function next week and I'm already nervous about it. I've actually been nervous about it for months and it's entirely around what I wear. What's everyone else going to wear? How am I going to look in comparison? Are people going to think I look good? Am I too big to wear that dress? Am I going to be popping out of it? You know, all these sorts of things. And it's absolutely ludicrous. It's just like, oh my goodness, what is the point? I mean, I've got my dress. It's beautiful. I've got this mask. It's just, you know, everything's come together, but I'm still nervous about it. So my question is, do you do this? Is this something that you notice yourself doing? Or maybe now you've listened to me talk about it. You know, maybe it's something that you can look at yourself and just ask yourself the question, do you project negatives? I was incredibly sick with gastro very recently. um, And I was in bed for four days straight. I've never had gastro for four days, but it was horrendous. I was unable to move and I was unable to look after my sick children. They were sick as well. That's how I got it. Um, And because I was so down and out with gastro. And for anyone with kids in daycare, you'll know we get gastro frequently because kids seem to spread it through themselves like wildfire. Um, And anyway, whenever I'm very, very sick, I tend to think about the Holocaust. See what I mean about serious, right? (laughs) I get very, very serious about things. But yeah, I do. I think about the people that were, you know, the victims of the concentration camp, the prisoners of war. And I just recently finished The Happiest Man on Earth, the book, and it was such an incredible read. It's one of the only war stories I've actually been able to read um, because I feel very sensitive towards the Holocaust. I can't believe it happened. Um, Even, you know, cruelty, prisoners of war, anything like that. I really, really struggle with it. And I toured Auschwitz when I was in Germany um, and Birkenau and I also went to Sachsenhausen, which is just out of Berlin, um, because I always had this fascination with how did people let that happen? How did it happen? How did it come about? Um, But each time I am physically that sick, which has happened to me frequently, not going to go into it, um, but I think about the people that were in those camps, the cruelty that they were exposed to um, and yeah, how they physically felt day in, day out. And then when they were mistreated, how that impacted them even further. And my bigger question is how they had the mental fortitude to get through it. You know, like Eddie, Eddie Jaku. To me, he is an absolute hero. Um, I cannot fathom how he went through what he did and survived. And yet it's probably because he had the attitude that he had that he did survive. You know, it's just one of those ironic things in life, right? So The Happiest Man on Earth is a really, really beautiful read for anyone who is looking for a good book recommendation. I highly recommend it. And it's not, it has moments where you're exposed to details, but even those details are kept quite light. So you don't, you know, fully go there mentally yourself. So that enables you to keep reading it. But yeah, incredible book. Um, One of the things that, we work on with our clients as a coach is thought awareness 
and finding very simple ways to feel good. And because our thoughts are what create our feelings, like I mentioned before, if we can find thoughts that trigger good emotions within us, then we can set ourselves on an entirely new path moving forward and be able to change not only individual moments that we live each day, but you can imagine how those little moments are what add up to an entire day. And those entire days add up to an entire week. And those entire weeks add up to months. And then years. And then decades. And a lifetime. It's the little moments that matter. And it's our reactions in those little moments. So, you know, have you ever had something bad happen that sets your entire day off on the wrong foot? The alarm went off. You woke up on the wrong side of the bed because you're grumpy, you stubbed your toe, you spill your coffee, you run late. Your energy attracts that negative to you, you know, that quantum pull. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to get into quantum land, which I'm not going to go into just yet, but it comes into our vibrational frequency and our ability to manifest what it is that we want. So our ability to control our state our emotional state in every single moment counts. And that's a really hard thing when you learn that as a coach, I will add. You know, so we go through our coach training and we learn about quantum physics. Um, for anyone who hasn't heard of what the bleep do we know, it's all in that kind of trajectory. It's not an area I've studied heavily because it's a little woo-woo for me. It's a little out of my comfort zone in terms of control, which probably means I should look at it right if I'm practicing what I preach. Um but it's really important to understand that what you put out to the world is what's reflected back. So your current results in your life are usually a direct reflection of what you've been vibrating. I made the mistake of telling that to a friend of mine that had gone to prison, a very, very close friend. And that's what sort of put some skepticism in my mind about that because she did nothing to deserve what she got, absolutely nothing. And then when I told her that trying to empower her to give her, you know, some sense of control of the situation and to kind of pull it internally and go, okay, well, how can I deal with, with this? Um, it came out all wrong and it, you know, in my mind, obliterated our friendship. So when I learned that in coach land, I found that quite a big burden to bear. It's like, well, if the results that I've got are what I'm currently putting out, then it just gave me this really um, uneasy sense of pressure, I guess is how I would describe it. So I would definitely say have a look at that for yourself and then decipher what that means for you and do it discerningly. You know, do you believe that the output that you do is a direct reflection? Um, and look, maybe it is. It's something I definitely need to look at a little bit more closely and work out what that means for me. But it was a big confrontation in my coach training going, oh, okay, so my results are my fault. and. Yes, to an extent, absolutely. Um, but it's just a thought to think about, to use that line. But when we have these moments in our life, it's important to understand that our emotional reaction to those moments will determine the next. And if we can just monitor it firstly, we don't have to do anything differently, but if we can just monitor it, check in with our vibrational frequency, then we can turn things around. The last podcast episode I did was on feel good mornings. 
And this is exactly the same thing. When we can use our thoughts to dictate our emotions, then we've got just that more control over it. And then we've got the ability to change it when we have the awareness as well. So we don't want to be up all the time. Some people don't want to be up all the time. That, my friends, would be exhausting. But you should definitely get to choose when you're up, when you're down, when you're neutral. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about stoicism. Again, not something that I've looked far into, but I'm a very emotional person and it's not something that I really want to change about myself. I like being passionate about things and expressing those things in a passionate way. That feels really good for me. And sometimes it comes off a certain way to certain people. Uh, but other times it is just what it is and it helps drive my actions in a way that I want to. So, again, you might be a quite neutral person who conserves energy. You might be a bit like me in terms of quite passionate, quite emotional about things. I, I believe we're all emotional, but I believe some people show it and some people don't. And that's very much comes into disc profiling, behavioral profiling. Um, and again, what feeds our energy. So for me, getting passionate about things feels good. It feeds my energy, gives me energy. For other people, expressing emotion is actually exhausting. And so they won't do that. They'll actually just conserve their energy. Um, and then eventually they will express that emotion how they need to around people they feel comfortable with. So, you know, you'll fit on one of those spectrum ends, but you'll know what's right for you. And it just comes back to the fact that our ability to control our state, you know, our emotional state in every single moment counts, um, whether you're someone that chooses then consciously to express it or not. Um, moments, again, make up our days, weeks, months, years, life. And so it's important. And I think Eddie Jaku, you know, he's a perfect example of someone who was able to stay positive or stay focused on what he wanted even through the most immense hardship that anyone could possibly be subjected to. So, yeah, great read, The Happiest Man on Earth. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, coming back to projecting negatives, if you're the sort of person who anticipates things going wrong or bad things happening or you think the worst-case scenario without simultaneously weighing up the best-case scenario to balance it, you may be projecting and then attracting negative things into your life that you don't want to be there. And just think about that for a moment. When something bad has happened to you recently, if it has, how did you react? Did you make it mean a lot about you? Did it make you feel like you weren't worthy about your ability or lack of? Was it personal? If you were to be a fly on the wall observing the correspondence or the event that actually happened, as that fly, do you look down on the situation and feel the same way about it? Or do you feel differently about it? Can you see it from a different perspective, from an outsider's perspective? The trick to begin stopping yourself projecting negatives is to actually become aware of the thoughts that you have each and every day. So we have about 60,000 thoughts every day, 93% of which are exactly the same as the previous day. So awareness is key. And is it any wonder that change is hard? We can't change what we're not aware of. For some of you, you'll be guided by the feeling. You'll feel fear or scarcity or frustration, anxiety. And when you feel that, 
I'm asking you to stop and identify what it is you're thinking. What's the thought? And if you want to take it a step further, is it a thought or is it a sentence? Or is the thought a picture? Something's happening inside your brain that triggers the feeling of anxiety or stress or worry or concern. What's the thought? Is it because you feel out of control? Is it something that's unknown? So your brain is going to drama mode to try and fill the gap to give you the control or at least try to paint the picture so you can get an understanding of what might happen. If this is happening, is your brain trying to regain that semblance of control or be able to anticipate it? Remember that your brain does everything it can to protect you while expelling as little energy as it possibly can. So be really gentle with yourself. Be kind with yourself when you're trying to do this exercise. Have love, compassion, have a bit of curiosity because your beautiful brain is just trying to look after you and keep you safe. And this is an exploration exercise, not a judgment exercise, okay? Do you remember a time when looking at the future, you felt excited? You felt a sense of adventure, spontaneity. Instead of it being something you feared, you relished in it. If you were to go back to that time, what were the thoughts? What, what sort of thoughts were you having that enabled you to feel excited and thrilled, alive? If not, what changed between then and now? What changed those thoughts into something that conjures up fear and uncertainty, stress, anxiety, concern? If you're listening to this rolling your eyes, thinking that instead your problem is that you're bored, you're neutral, there's not much feeling at all where perhaps you would like there to be, you, on the balance of probability, my friend, have what I would say to, is too much certainty in your life. Too much, same, same. There's not enough surprise, excitement, unknowns, spontaneity, differentiation from one day to the next, one moment to the next, one week to the next. So what would be something that scares you? And I mean scare in a resourceful way. Any way that's going to get you outside of your comfort zone, learning, growing, changing in a way that you love but excites you, that drives you closer to where you want to be, to the person you want to be, to the things that you want to achieve and the feelings that you want to have. Not scare in a way that traumatizes you, okay? That's not what I mean. There's a big, big difference. I mean something that gives you that nervous excitement, that little bit of fire, that little bit of questioning, oh, could I? Could I actually? Maybe, right? Start by identifying the feelings that you want to feel on a daily basis. What feelings do you currently feel? Going back to episode one, we're at point A, current state. In dreamland, what feelings do you want to feel every day? And I really want you to go there. Don't, don't block yourself. Don't inhibit yourself. If you had a magic wand and you were like, you could be anybody, right? Anybody. 
what feelings do they feel on a daily basis? And then attribute that to yourself. Like I watched the uh, movie Friends with Benefits with Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake. And I just want to be her. Like she just seems like she's got this unlimited energy. She's in New York. She's getting changed in taxis. She's full of spontaneity and fun. And I was just thinking, oh, it's been a long time since I felt like that. What I'm saying is make sure you go there. Really like think about what you want to feel on a daily basis. And if you can't think of it as being possible for yourself, pick a character, find a character and then mimic it from them. Be like, oh my God, that person, that person looks like somebody that I could really use some more of in my life or that I want to be like them. And then do what we call model. Steal what you think they're thinking and feeling. The reason you aren't already feeling those feelings, even if you want to feel them every single day, is because you're in your current state and in your current brain, right? So you conjuring up that thought process and what you want to feel every day isn't necessarily available to you right now. So we need to look outside of ourselves to kind of get educated in a way and go, oh, that person looks like they've got way more energy than me. I really want more energy in my day. So what are they doing that I can do too? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? And then we borrow or steal, whatever you like, and we apply it to ourselves. And then we learn how to do that too, right? So like school, you know nothing about French and then you get a French textbook and you get some classes and then you sit a French exam and you pass. You may not be able to speak fluent French, but you know enough now to pass that exam, right? You didn't know it beforehand. It's exactly the same process um, to work out what you want to feel more of on a daily basis. So there we go with dreamland. We've got our dreamland state. That's our B. So A to B, coaching, all A to B. Current state, future state, in future state, dreamland, how in an ideal, perfect, incredible world we would have it how we would feel every day. Um, And even if we don't get to feel it all day, what are the feelings you want to feel more of? Maybe start by writing down five feelings you want to feel more of. For me, clearly it's energy. I've said it like five times on this podcast already, right? I want to feel more energetic. I feel very, very tired at the moment. I've come off feeling very, very sick recently. Um, So I just want to feel energized again. I really, really do. And so for you, there'll be other things. You know, you might want to laugh more in your day. You might want to feel vibrant. You might want to, you know, have more intimate time in the bedroom. I don't know. You'll know what it is for you. And if you don't, then you need to go outside of yourself to find what that may be. Okay. So then we identify ways that we can feel those things. What has to happen or what has happened in the past that has made you feel happy, excited, elated, alive, spontaneous, whatever it is that you want to feel more of? How can you bring more of that into your life? What do you need to overcome to get there? So for me to have more energy, I need earlier nights. So I need to sleep more. I need to look after my health in terms of what I'm eating. And the amount of water I'm drinking, I need to make sure. And I haven't been um, drinking a lot of wine just because I've been sick and have not wanted it. But I need to limit my alcohol consumption. And I also need to limit my caffeine and my sugar consumption. Um, 
I need to go on my daily walks because they make me feel amazing. I need to be able to offload a few things. Like we've got a lot going on with our reno and with other things that are happening in our lives. So I need to lessen the burden and not take it all on myself because that's a pattern I've identified that I have um, and let somebody else take some of it for me. So those are some of the ways in which I can bring more energy, vitality, whatever it is that I want into my life. So now we need to do that for you. So we name the five things or five feelings we want to feel more of on a daily basis. And then we work out what has happened in the past or what needs to happen for us to feel those things. And we need to make those as simple and easy as possible. Maybe also identifying the things that we need to overcome to have those things in our lives, right? So that is the path to stopping projecting negatives and finding more ways of bringing in what it is that we want to feel um, and the actions that we can take to bring that into our lives and really level up, to use that term, um, to expand, to feel better every single day. Because if we can feel better every day and on a more consistent basis, then you know those little moments that make up those days are what become our weeks and our weeks become our months. Those months turn into years, those years turn into decades and those decades become our life, our entire life. And your life matters, my friend. It's here for you to live into it. So let's feel better every day by starting small, creating consistency so we can live the best possible life imaginable. I'll talk to you next week, my friends. Bye now. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have a listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.